Welcome back to Shredder's Not Dead. If they make you bang your head, we'll talk with them or about them. And today I'm joined by Tim of Melbourne's own Nabla Viscaris, Prog Death Legends, about to set off on an Australian tour and off the back of the release of their new full-length album. How are you, uh, how are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, no, no stress at all. So to get straight into it, um, obviously it's been a pretty, pretty crazy time the last couple of years, and uh, Excel sort of released at a, um, should we say, a nice time to come out of things and and have a lot of positive growth, hopefully in the the music industry post COVID. But arguably, when it comes to things like death metal. Almost a bigger change for you guys is now touring this album with a new drummer. So I was just wondering how the momentum's going in the band, um, how all that's sort of going for you, and uh, yeah, if you're all feeling good and ready for the tour. Yeah, it's it's been um, it's been a little bit of a, a crazy time. Obviously, um, I, I guess trying to get back into the flow of of touring because, you know, we spent from 2015 to 2019, you know, we were on the road, you know, three to six months every year. And then all of a sudden I was home for almost four years straight, which is just a huge lifestyle change. Um, You know, I've got a daughter who's 11 and, you know, from when she was like two to seven and a half, I was away a lot. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I was around all the time. So there's great positives in that, but then, just adjusting back to that lifestyle of, of going away and be on the road and even conditioning yourself and your voice and your performance to get back into that flow of getting up on stage every night and getting in that mindset um, was a bit of a challenge. And I guess I didn't really know what it was going to be like. You know, we turned up in Helsinki, which was the first show on our European tour in May. And, um, you know, we had a, a new, new drummer in Kevin, Kevin Parody who had had a few months to learn the songs, but we hadn't rehearsed with him in person because we all live in different parts of the world. So we turn up three days before the first show being like, gee, I hope he knows the parts really well. And thankfully he did, and he did an amazing job. But, um, you know, we also had the challenge where, uh, you know, Zen wasn't able to do the European tour at uh, quite last minute, um, uh, you know, due to some kind of health health issues that he had. And so all of a sudden we had, you know, James Dorton from Black Crown Initiate and Faceless um, jumping on to do vocals on like 10 days notice and rehearsing with him. And so we had two different people on stage for that tour, which was quite an interesting dynamic. And then now even for these Aussie shows, um, you know, we've got uh, Kevin on drums, but it's actually then the first time in over four years that we've then finally been able to get together with with Zen on stage again, who is doing these, these upcoming shows. And so it's been, I guess, a feeling out process, but everything's been going really well. And I think that when people turn up to the shows, which they have been, it makes everything else so much easier. Yeah, of course. And I, I can't imagine for these fill-ins for the European tour, especially that, uh, you know, it's not like you're going out there playing jazz standards out of a, a cheap book or, uh, you know, playing pop songs off the top of the charts. These are quite complex pieces of music that you're all having to uh, to work to learn, to play individually and then together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, we were we were honestly blown away by what James was able to do on vocals for that European tour. Just the, his ability to memorize the parts and the lyrics, 
because for me it takes a bit of effort to memorize lyrics and i just couldn't believe how 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 well he did and you know i was telling this kind of joke on on stage through most of the european tour about kevin that you know we got to like the second rehearsal and that i was pretty sure that i made more mistakes than he did that day and i was like yeah i think i think we're going to be fine you know because <laughs> he was just picking up so quickly and to such a professional and coming coming in so well prepared just makes such a big difference yeah and uh from from your point of view as well the music of nabla viscaris is very uh it's experimental but to the listener it sounds very rigid um, from the band's point of view, when you're performing things, you know, like off the new album live and there are maybe discrepancies or you might notice a thing here or there, how uh, how precisely are you looking to recreate what you've put down on the album? Yeah, great question. I think the most important thing is the, the energy of the songs. And so, um, you know, there are, I mean, generally, like we play live note for note what's on the album. But having said that, like there's a different energy in the performance in a live show um, that is unique to the live show. And so, you know, when I'm playing a solo, I'm not that conscious of trying to make sure that the interpretation is the exact replica of the album version, even if I am still playing the same notes, you know, from the from the solo and, and stuff like that. And um, I think it's just combined that with the live energy and with whatever feels uh right at the time basically sure and music you know is uh experienced differently depending on the scale of the the music you're listening to so when you as a performer are almost you know drawing from what you hear live versus i'm sure you rehearse at home you've probably got a nice sound system or a, a good set of headphones that you'd rehearse with um when you are practicing say your solos or whatever but it's not quite the same as when you're standing in front of the kit and the blast beats are running through you and you know so of course the uh yeah it, there is going to be some of that isn't there yeah, and, and that's the thing where you can't practice the way the music sounds uh, through your in-ear headphones on a stage with the kind of stage vibration and the crowd. You just can't quite replicate that, and then you can't quite mimic that with your home practice and how that's going to sound. So so it is that learning process of of how it sounds to perform a song. So especially with the new stuff, that was that experimentation of, well, how will it sound when we play this song live, <laughs> which takes a little bit of time to to get used to. Yeah. And uh, when you wrote Exile, um, was there something different that you were trying to capture? Or I wouldn't say that Naval of Ascaris have transformed themselves, but it is a different album to um, to the previous one. It's Earn, have I got that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it is a, it is a different album and it, Sounds different, but you haven't, you know, completely, you haven't done an opeth and gone off and written a jazz album, for argument's sake. Um, so I'm just wondering what it is that you were trying to maybe uh, capture on this latest album as compared to the past, or is it putting out more great songs, doing what you are good at as a band? Yeah, so I think that from for me personally, anytime we come back to writing, I'm always looking to challenge myself um, to keep experimenting and, and going into new areas. Um, but also, I mean, the, the music is always a reflection of where you're at in your life at that particular point, you know? So, you know, we're never going to write, um, Portal of Eye again. I mean, that was written between the ages of, I was what, 
23 to 29 when we wrote that. You know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 41. Um, you know, it's it's a really long time ago and you're, you're a different person at, at different points. So that kind of impacts. So it's that combination of those two things, that combination to search for experimentation and for challenging yourself to explore new things because there's a lot of things I know how to do, you know, as a songwriter that you could just rehash. Like there's, you, know, you could use this structure and this type of chord progression and blah, blah. And it's, it would be very easy to write like a mimicked version of yourself over and over again, uh, which is what some bands do. They kind of learn certain formulas and that's their whole career. And, and that's fine um, for those that kind of enjoy doing that. But for me, I had this bit of restlessness of wanting to continue to explore new things. And then I guess the other thing with that is that combination of where we we're at. And, you know, the reality was, was that whole period, you know, we we wrote most of this album in the second half of 2019. And, you know, to, to be honest, like I was a bit of a mess. And a lot of things were happening in my life that were really challenging and I wasn't handling them very well. And I kind of disappeared into the creation of this record. And, you know, so there's, uh, you know, particular things like, you know, Misericord 2 where, and the same with Ikus, where, you know, I've just locked away, you know, in my home studio for several days in a row, writing the, the bulk of some of those elements, like all in one go, um, not really being very good at then connecting or with anything else going on in my life or the world, just kind of disappearing into that world, that music. And I think it's the intensity of, of all the things that were happening through that period of my life uh, combined with that, um, that challenge of uh, to ourselves. But then on top of that, there's also the element that this is the first album writing with our bassist Martino. And he contributed more than we thought in regards to the songwriting, you know, like songs like Suspire and Growl. He wrote a bunch of the guitarists for those that we weren't, we hired him as a bassist because he's unbelievable. And then he's like sending us all these great riffs. And uh, that was kind of this great surprise where he added this new element to certain, certain songs here and there in a way that was um, really beneficial to the result. And I think made us even better as a band. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, having now had that information, I can maybe picture a few riffs off the top of my head where there is a distinct new sound to it. And I, uh, I wouldn't dare for a second compare you guys to Iron Maiden saying you're similar, but there is a little bit of an element of the way that they would write riffs, uh, shall we say, with a melodic top line over a dynamic bass all in the one instrument where I think, I think maybe that might be some of the stuff he's contributed. Uh, and possibly, I mean, um, like, like, uh, like a lot of, a lot of the guitars in, in Graal and Suspire, those two in particular. Yeah. Um, so yeah. if you hear something like the beginning of Graal, um, that's, that sound is a little bit different for us. And he actually sent that through originally and I wasn't sure about it because it was only that opening section. I was like, oh, I'm not sure if this really sounds like us. And it was when... When it got fleshed out, it was like, well, how do we, how do we turn this into something that sounds organically like us? And the reality is, you can kind of do whatever you want within our sound as long as there's this balance. Um, and that was where, for Graal, it was actually the second half of the song when that was written, and we got this kind of repetitive seven-four riff 
um, that's like the last three minutes. And that was that mm. was a riff that Martino wrote. And when he sent that through and he attached that to everything else, then I was like, and same with the other guys, it was like, oh fuck yeah, like this is this this now sounds like uh something that that can fit on this album and then then was inspiring to the rest of us and then all of a sudden we had all these ideas and then the direction in the song was there and that's all that part of that process about learning how to write together um you know because it is that kind of collaborative kind of team effort you know we're not a band you know like say you mentioned opeth before where you know they're kind of known that pretty much you know aka felt you know he writes most of the music um whereas you know we do have different primary songwriters depending on on the song um and you know that kind of ebbs and flows depending on the song and depending on the album as well yeah absolutely and uh, i can actually picture off growl some of those riffs that we're talking about so i I think i might be on the right track with that hunch now a bit of change of pace if i had to give praise to nabla viscaris for anything other than the praise i've been lumping on your songwriting it would be for being something of a lightning rod of the Australian prog community. Um, I think that uh, musically you do a really good job to blend a whole bunch of the prog death stuff, you know, Opeth, Dream Theater come to mind in terms of um, sort of for fans of, but then, you know, there's a whole sort of generation of prog that's come up um, that you've sort of opened up the scene for. And I don't just mean in terms of writing songs, I mean in terms of, tours and things like the painted progression tour came to mind that were really quite groundbreaking um in terms of the lineup of aussie and overseas bands um now i'm going for a very long drink for a short drink a very long walk for a short drink of water here what i'm trying to get at is you've knocked it out of the park again with an absolute smorgasbord of bands that you're bringing out in this tour regular listeners will know the ocean's one of those bands but for people who aren't familiar with who else is on the tour would you like to give us a quick rundown of them yeah. So, I mean, every time we do an Australian tour, we we handpick bands that, that we love and that are inspiring for us to tour with. Um, funnily enough, this time around, we picked two bands that we toured with before, um, but, you know, both have uh, new stuff coming out and both of them, it's been quite a few years. And so, um, as you mentioned, one of them, um, you know, The Ocean uh, coming across from Germany to tour again, this is actually the third time I brought them out to Australia because they toured with us in 2016 and then they came out. Um, uh, I brought them out to headline a festival that I run called Progfest in 2018 or 19. I can't remember which year it was. And then the third time. So you can tell from that that I, I love the ocean. You know, I think they're just an unbelievable live act. Um, and then the other is Rivers of Nile. And, um, you know, when Rivers of Nile you know, came out in 2019 when we, we uh, had them out um, on that tour. And, um, you know, I remember saying on stage at that at that time, you know, that uh, I thought that they put out one of the best albums, you know, maybe the best album that had come out, you know, in the, in the 12 months leading up to that. Um, and so it's just been, it was a great opportunity to, get to see them live and get to hear their their music and just they're unbelievable as well. And then the other thing with them that's really interesting is they're kind of similar to us in that they're very melodic and very progressive, but they're also extreme. They also have the death metal elements. And there's actually not a lot of bands that have those extremes to that degree of, you know, mm. uh, I, I guess it's kind of that kind of mid-era Opeth 
you know, combination of like actual, you know, heavy like death metal with, you know, really, you know, um, overt progressive elements. And um, in the progressive scene, more you have bands that are progressive all around and maybe they don't have any harsh vocals. Like, you know, that's probably the most common thing in the worldwide progressive metal scene. You know, you've got bands like, um, you know, Tesseract um, and uh, or Devon Townsend or Opeth now who don't have death vocals or Catatonia or, you know, there's all sorts of great bands, but a lot of them over the years have gotten a little bit less heavy. And so I kind of feel like there's this great scene of bands that have come through over the last few years that kind of fill that void a bit of being really heavy bands, but still having that progressive and melodic element. And it's a great opportunity when we do tours to be able to champ- champion some of those bands and share them with our audience. Of the bands you've just mentioned, I think we find ourselves as prog fans in an interesting place and time right now where you have such a diverse uh collection of musicians that the fans sometimes the bands themselves throw under the the umbrella of prog i think there's a lot of shall we say maybe melodic metalcore bands that throw the prog label around a fair bit that maybe take uh, i think a lot of them take a lot of what caligula's horse have done and then put pop songwriting structure to it you know i mean what is prog right but i guess what i'm getting at is do we uh what do you see the state of players prog at as at the moment? And do you think there is a cohesive uh, collection of prog or is it more a mindset towards uh, how music is performed? So you end up with bands like the ocean who have almost released an electronica album that makes sense to put on a bill with rivers of Nile who have released almost a tech death album. Yeah. I think that, um, this is something that I guess over the years I've thought about a lot because, you know, I, I ran for many years um, a festival called Progfest that was designed to bring, you know, the best progressive metal, metal band or not metal, but just the best progressive bands from across Australia and then including bands from from overseas um, as well, you know, um, in the, the last few years of what we've been doing with that. So there was often discussions with, uh, myself and like the team that I would be working with about, you know, what would be considered prog. And we always had that view of it being really anyone that was trying to push the boundaries and experiment. And so there was uh, musicians and, and bands that would be creating music that was very experimental and challenging that didn't sound like the prog of Pink Floyd and Yes and Dream Theater, that sort of, I guess, what people think of as, you know, that traditional prog sound. Um but it was experimental. And of course, that was the whole point of prog in the first place. You know, the, the point was to be pushing boundaries. Now, you know, if, if you have a sound that is exactly like Pink Floyd, who I love, by the way, I mm. mean, that sound is 50 years old. And so you're not obviously pushing boundaries if you're replicating or being hugely inspired by that. Um but that doesn't mean you can't call yourself prog. I mean, I don't think you need to be too, um, you know, I guess some people talk about, you know, prog snobs or something like that. And like, <laughs> I mean, the nose down of like certain types of bands. I mean, I think that the reality is, is that what used to be considered progressive is more mainstream now. So you mentioned that there's a lot of say melodic metalcore bands that might use the word progressive. And that's because they include elements in their music that, 
used to only be in progressive bands and now they're more mainstream, you know? So there's a lot of bands using elements of progressive music in their, in their sound, but in a way that's not challenging or experimental. It's just part of an ongoing scene in modern heavy music, you know? But I think the cool thing with progressive music is that it can just be whatever you want. And you have this element where, I guess, you know, one of my favorite, you know, progressive acts um, of the current time, like, you know, an emerging act of the last few years is, is Leprous, who is one that isn't on the heavier end, but do experiment with all different sounds. And I really love what they do. Um, the same here in Australia, you have an act like Carnival, who I just are unbelievable. Their Sound Awake album to me is one of my absolute favorite albums of all time. And they're one of those funny acts where they released their first album, Themata, which was more commercial. And then with each album after that, they got more experimental, which is like the opposite of what most other bands do. Mm. You know, and then for, for us, you know, we have, I think, that same sort of attitude, or I like to think, as a band like Carnival in regards to challenging ourselves with the songwriting and moving things around, but with a really different result. Like we're using different different approach, you know, different aesthetics, you know, in our music. And so, you know, I think that there's definitely a lot bigger appetite for progressive music than there used to be. It used to be a bit more of a niche thing. Um, and there's definitely a lot of really cool bands doing a lot of different things. And like I said, there's definitely a lot of progressive elements getting a bit more into mainstream acts, but um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think it's just cool to see uh, people, experimenting with different sounds and getting away from just basic predictable stuff. Um, mm. Because as an artist and as a music listener that, you know, there's nothing better than his listening to an album that is different to what you've heard before. Uh, and, and whatever way, you know, that is, you know, even if it's not necessarily progressive, if it's something where people are just being themselves and that's coming out in an interesting way, then, you know, that's something that can be really inspiring to listen to and capture the imagination of, of people in the public as well. Well, you've, uh, you've tackled what is <laughs> something of a rocket science question quite well there. I uh, applaud your answer. You've, um, you're not lying. You have put some thought into that and I, uh, I will let you go, but one more quick question. I'm sure people are dying to know now that you've brought it up. Uh, are we going to see Progfest come back anytime soon? I have no idea, to be honest. Basically, what twenty twenty nineteen was the last one, and twenty twenty we had decided to take a year off because I, I was too busy with with Nail Bibiscaris, and I I couldn't fit in the time, and we didn't have an obvious headliner, and we decided to take the year off, and then of course then we had an extra couple of years after that enforced that we had to take it off because of the pandemic. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's definitely a bit of a, it was always a bit of a labor of love. And, you know, for me, you know, I got my start in the music industry um, just working with local acts, you know, had a record label and worked as a booking agent and manager just for, a lot of different, you know, metal and progressive acts here in Australia and something I'm really passionate about. So I guess if we get back to it, it would just be because of that passion to have a place to showcase 
a lot of the great Australian bands that we have, because that was the thing, like when that first started, which is a long time ago, you know, um, we're looking at what, 2008 or whatever the first one was, I think, um, you know, that there wasn't anything like that for, for progressive music in the scene and Australian music of that type wasn't as well known um, amongst the public. And so it's it's pretty cool now that there are so many bands, you know, doing so well compared to, you know, where it was, you know, back in the day. Well, uh, we'll enjoy our own little miniature festival of prog uh, come September. If you haven't got your tickets yet and you've enjoyed this interview, please do go pick some up. I cannot stress enough. I've seen all these bands before and I'm so thrilled to see them all in the one spot at the one time. It's bill of the year so far, in my opinion. Um, Tim, if you want to leave us with any last thoughts, now's your chance. Otherwise, it's been brilliant talking to you again and I look forward to catching you guys on the road. Yeah, thank you so much. Just, you know, thank you for for everyone's patience. You know, it's been, what, four and a half years since our last Australian tour. Um, As soon as we released Exile, and we had a, a European tour coming up. We had a lot of Australian fans saying, "Hey, what about what about us?" And so we're really, really excited to um, to be finally getting onto these shows in September, and um, you know, getting to play for all our fans in uh, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and Adelaide, September six to ten. And uh, hope to see everyone there. Brilliant, Tim. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Jordan.